Today we have with us Dr. Subhal Dikshit, who is a consulting physician and critical care specialist with 25 years of experience. He is the director ICU at Sanjeevan Hospital, Pune. He has been the past president of the Indian Society of Critical Care Medicine and the past chancellor of the Indian College of Critical Care Medicine. He is also an executive council member of the Academy of Pulmonary and Critical Care Medicine. and the treasurer at sepsis forum india a visiting internal medicine and critical care consultant at various hospitals in pune dr dikshit has presented research papers with various publications to his name the topic in discussion will be how a low carb high fat ketogenic diet helps one control diabetes so uh, hi yeah. dr subhal dikshit i'm going to shoot my first question for our episode today uh you know we see a lot of people using uh, a patch to monitor their glucose levels especially non diabetics and it's becoming a fad that's catching up in the name of biohacking so it's actually called a cgm patch so can you just tell us uh, you know why this is such a useless activity for non diabetics thank you shweta for inviting me for on this podcast uh, that's a very nice and a pertaining question to the current lifestyle where we see a lot of people in the gym or even running around on the road with trackers and they continuously keep on selling that i'm tracking myself they really what they do is really it's a useful device not into non diabetics it is only useful into diabetic patients because those patients who are non diabetics will always have the blood sugar levels to be remaining within the normal zone with the normal hba1c levels so having that hba1c in the normal range is also not going to give you the exact picture of your metabolic syndrome what you or he or she is really dealing with so really it is not useful into non diabetics just to monitor the sugar levels it is mainly useful only to diabetic patients with type 1 or type 2 diabetic where the sugars are not getting controlled or where you really require a very rigid dietary plan with drug management correct i agree that uh, it is to be used in either uncontrolled type 2 diabetes or in type 1 diabetes patients where we're trying to use medications diet and exercise and then together check whether the glucose levels are being monitored and right. uh, of course uh, i don't think many people understand that if you are eating a carb based food like if you eat a biryani and then you check your glucose it's obviously you know with all the carbs become glucose it's obviously going to keep coming up so it's not so much yeah. about the spikes but about the carbohydrates that you're consuming in on a daily basis absolutely okay so my next question is about pre diabetes right and uh, typically we see that uh, you know when people check their fasting uh, glucose levels it's between 100 and 125 is what we call pre diabetes and the Uh, post lunch sugars are usually you know about 140 but uh, don't you think that uh, it's already a bit late by the time they find these readings on their blood reports yeah these questions see the lab values will vary from lab to lab depending upon what standardization they have we normally have a fasting about say about 100 110 a pp sugar about 140 certain labs keep it around 150 right. but as i said that not only for diagnosis of diabetes hba1c level is equally important that is also important role which plays secondly as i said there is always a phase which comes in between where god always gives us warning signs of insulin resistance that you should look after your body 
that where you'll have high insulin levels and the sugar levels will still remain normal. And especially this is the metabolic syndrome, what really you and me should really target it with those people who are with obese, sedentary lifestyles, those who are smokers, alcohols, having a very big amount of meals. They are the ones we should really start changing their lifestyle modifications there. So this is a time where actual reversal will start occurring. So this is a time where they should really be active into it and really enroll themselves into the program and really have their eye openers and take a medical opinion. Right. So there is this phase of insulin resistance which begins way before we see that the fasting sugars have risen or the post-lunch sugars have risen. And typically we see, uh, you know, even in skinny people, the belly fat uh, will show up at the, you know, where their belly is protruding or they're seeing weight gain or there's grade one fatty liver or their triglycerides are increasing. Uh, these are some signs before the sugars actually start increasing that, you know, we're heading in that direction and that we should take corrective action at this stage. And I don't think many people Absolutely. are aware of that stage. Okay, right. so uh, that means you and I are in agreement that it's the insulin levels that need to be monitored more than the blood glucose in non-diabetics, right? Because that's what yes. first uh, increases and then leads to diabetes finally, like pre-diabetes and then diabetes. Right. And uh, as Indians, uh, we do know that we're more prone to insulin resistance, even in young kids. Yeah, absolutely. Because uh, India is one of the diabetes capital, a population going up. We are more prone to eating carbs. The our diet is full of carbs plus the sedentary lifestyle and not everybody has a healthy lifestyle and they're aware that they should really be looking after the warning signs and symptoms what they get. So that's the reason why they say that we are also soon going to be population wise we are soon we'll be heading towards the diabetic capital also. That's right. In fact, while yeah. we are on the topic, let me also uh, tell you that, you know, I've had to manage a four-year-old overweight girl child uh, who had her uh, sugar levels, you know, uh, at borderline levels. So HbA1c was almost close to 6.5. And that also happened uh, accidentally because, uh, you know, the child came in to me for uh, treatment of constipation and management of constipation. And when I ran the test, I realized that even her sugar levels are uh, going off the mark. So that's a huge warning sign for us as a population and as healthcare professionals that we need to start looking into these aspects. So it is so, the right. alteration of the metabolic syndrome or the profile that really needs to be targeted. Correct. And there's no age bias as we are seeing it now. It's happening yeah, even in younger uh, you know, children and adults. Yes, absolutely. So Dr. Subhal Diksha, tell us a little bit about your uh, lifestyle since we're on uh, the topic of low-carb oh. diets. That's a very important and interesting question, actually. I have a very hectic lifestyle. I did have uh, post-COVID sugar levels going up with increased weight. Though I was exercising, but I said, kid, might as well, I must practice what I preach. I tell everybody that you must follow X, Y, Z, diet, don't do this, don't do that, and get got in touch with you. And then you put me on a low-carb diet. Of course, we know that Yes, low-carb diet is beneficial. It helps because just monitoring the sugar level or the fasting PP, HbA1c doesn't tell you what exactly. Or they don't know that, okay, just because I've had X, the sugar levels are not going to alter the exact values. So the PP sugar or the fasting sugar, they, are, they don't know what kind of carbohydrates you have had. And Correct. that's how overall the alteration, again, what I said, the alteration of the metabolic profile with exercise, low-carb diet, weight training, excess, whatever, cardio activities, that plays a very important role. And for that, people like you are really important. And also yeah. people like you, doctors like you who follow uh, it in practice also, and therefore they are able to preach. 
because we do know that when we lower the insulin levels by reducing the carbohydrates in the diet, fat burning starts. And the, when the body starts burning its own fat, all good things happen as it has happened Absolutely. with you. Right? Absolutely. Okay. Right. My next question is about fruits, you know, and we are also in the festive season uh, time right now. So fruits are considered to be really healthy. And, you know, I see a lot of people when they come in and if I have to take fruit out of their diet, they really get upset because they think it's natural. So, but in India, we tend to overdo it. Like, you know, people will replace mithai with fruits. But as we know that the source of the carb really doesn't matter and fructose itself is, uh, you know, a sugar that causes harm. So what's your take on that? Fruits itself is added as a coarse meal in our diet. We have the starters, then we have the food, then we have the salads, then we have the desserts. And then in the end, we usually end up with having some fruits before everyone goes home. So that's the typical way. Normally, I feel really any content. See, the sugar is ultimately in the form of fructose there. And that ultimately gets metabolized into triglycerides in the liver. So more fruits, triglyceride levels go up. And that's going to be one of the precipitating factor for development of fatty liver also and plus the triglyceride levels are also not good definitely there are normal lipid metabolisms which are there which can also cause clogging up of the artery so you can have fruits in case of course in conjunction with the dietitian you can use it as an intermittent mid-time meal or a mid-time snacks that what i feel it and you should have it in restricted quantities with strict supervision where certain fruits certain people can have and certain people cannot have Correct. And we also know that, uh, you know, uh, uric acid levels also tend to go up in the metabolic syndrome because of high insulin levels. And in such cases, again, fructose is known to get converted into uric acid faster. So, uh, you know, we definitely have to restrict it in this population. And plus the glycemic index of every fruit varies. Correct. But finally, the total carbs and the type of carbs and fructose. fructose. Correct. That is important. Okay, so my next question is like we're on the topic of low-carb and high-fat diets. So, you know, when people follow the low-carb diet or the high-fat diet, normally they see that their lipid profiles tend to change and uh, the cholesterol starts increasing and the LDL starts increasing. So, uh, you know, we need to keep our uh, patients educated about uh, these dynamics and that these are natural changes that occur. And there are so many other factors uh, that, that are other markers that we need to look at in a lipid profile, not just the total cholesterol and LDL, which naturally increases when you increase the fat in the diet. But that's not necessarily a bad thing. So can you just uh, throw a little light on this? This is a very important and a hot topic which everybody should know. Now we know that a lot of people just go and I've got a health checkup done, I've checked my lipid profile. Mind you, an obese people can have a lipid profile normal or a lean people can also have a lipid profile really abnormal. It's not just the total cholesterol, the LDL or the triglycerides value. Mind you, what we measure, the LDL sometimes are the indirect values of assessment which are there. Correct. And they are the carriers, really speaking, of the bad cholesterol. And the most sensitive sensitive and the specific form is really the apolipoprotein, uh, which is much more sensitive. So indirectly, the abnormal LDLs, which are in different sizes and forms and particles, really that uh, is a major indicator, which is given to us with the help of apolipoproteins. So measuring that is equally important. An exact assessment of that lipid profile and interpretation, uh, it plays a very important role. So don't, don't just follow that my cholesterol is normal. You can have normal cholesterol with bad amount of apolipoproteins and bad amount of uh, LDL mol particles which can still clog your arteries and give you complications like stroke and ischemic heart disease. So that's an important assessment. 
Right. So, uh, yeah, not many people know about APOB uh, being a new marker, an independent marker, uh, where you can have normal triglycerides and normal LDL, but still have high APOB because there are many factors that govern it. And uh, also, when your LDL and your uh, total cholesterol goes up, uh, we need to check the APOB to see if, even if that's gone up. Because like you rightly said, that uh, the LDL that we're checking is just the cholesterol, or it's the passenger. But uh, we are concerned with the number of vehicles that are going to clog uh, the highway, right? So, and the vehicle right. number of vehicles is determined by APOB. So, uh, more than the passenger, we are concerned with the particle numbers. So, right. yeah, like you rightly said, that's not the only thing. In fact, uh, when you follow a low-carb, high-fat diet, your LDL may go up, but your HDL also tends to go up. And those right. ratios are maintained, which is actually a good thing. And your triglycerides also tend to come down. And we know that high triglycerides could also mean more APOB again. So that's not a, a thing that we should maintain. So overall, yes, we can't just check total cholesterol and LDL. We need to check APOB. We need to check the triglycerides. We need to check the LDL-HDL ratios, the total cholesterol-HDL ratios, and then figure out whether this is a good uh, direction that we're going in or not. Yeah. And at the same time, one must remember that those persons having a sedentary lifestyle, obesity, hypertensive, smokers, don't do not exercise, stress plays a very important role, even lack of sleep or blood pressure, which is not controlled. That they is. are the ones which also alter the apolipoprotein levels. So indirectly, the carriers or the cholesterol, which can further cause the plaque rupture and acute that onset is. of complications of stroke or of ISD. Correct. Yeah. So normally people think that, oh, my cholesterol has gone up or even if my APOB is up slightly, they start getting alarmed that, you know, I'm my arteries are going to get clogged. But artery clogging is such a long drawn process. First of all, it starts in infancy. And as we've seen studies uh, where, you know, even when the pregnant uh, woman has a bad diet, uh, then we've seen changes in the blood vessels of the offspring and the fetus also. So it starts yeah. as early as in the womb. And it's such a long process, but a uh, few things that besides having high cholesterol levels or high LDL or APOB levels, few things that can make this process, uh, you know, go up faster is inflammation, as we know. Right. And uh, having diabetes, smoking, alcohol, all these things are going to increase the inflammation. It's going to increase the lodging of these particles in the arteries. And then finally, that whole process, everything with the fuel and the fire together will then start clogging. And that's when it finally leads to you know, the things, uh, the events, the cardiac events. All right. So uh, what is the real culprit? Is it uh, saturated fat or is it carbs? See, really, it's a mixed bag, which really I would put it. It's not just you can't blame the fats, nor you can definitely blame the carbs. Definitely both together, it should come like a total lifestyle modification of the metabolic syndrome that plays an important role. And of course, by doing the proper test with proper medical advice, a good dietitian advice to control your diet, daily exercise, proper weight management, control of your sugars, control of your blood pressures is equally important. Because it's not just, okay, I'm now on a low carbohydrate diet, I'm on low fat diet, I'm just not going to, I'm not going to get an ischemic heart, I'm not going to get a stroke. So really tracking up and having a composite picture of a entire diet plus exercise plus a medical opinion and a dietetic opinion is really important because both work hand in hand together for the proper control of the metabolic syndrome. Correct. That is important. And again, we see since the last at least 30 to 40 years, we've all been very conscious about the fat in the diet. Like whenever I ask a client, Ki aap kya khate ho? they say simple home cooked food come tell me. But if that was the solution, then why would I be having this chat with this client? 
or why would the yeah. client be having high sugar levels because if the fat is already low then obviously it, it points out to another nutrient which is out of balance so definitely i'm not saying that everybody but, needs to go high fat but one thing yeah but one thing the indian cook food really has is made in desi ghee in some parts it's like it's loaded correct yeah. so uh, yeah. that is with the carb yeah i'm talking carb. about lowering the carbs and Low then adding carbs. a desi ghee no. makes sense uh, but yeah. if you're going to go high carb and high fat then we know that we are uh, asking for trouble here because both of it's, them are going to be directed to fat production in the body it's a time bomb correct so whether there should be ghee or butter in a client's diet or a patient's diet is something that i will decide once i check their risk profile and their overall blood reports and then decide yes this person should be continuing to consume saturated fat but replacing fat with carbs is definitely not the solution because he's come with that problem already he's already Absolutely. high carb low fat and he's come with the metabolic syndrome so obviously that's not the solution but yes how much fat is to be increased and what type of fat should be used in the person's diet is something that i will take a call on once i check their overall risk profile absolutely okay my final question to you is actually about clients and patients uh, you know who go to a doctor first then with a problem and the doctor says ki aapko diet karna hai abhi you know aap dietitian ke paas jao and when they come to a dietitian and the dietitian says ki you know you need to follow a low carb or a ketogenic way of life and then they say then they say let me check with my doctor whether i can follow this diet so what's your take on this circle my take is very simple first of all all hospitals or all clinics usually have got dietitians which are attached so if the doctor knew it then the hospitals wouldn't be keeping a dietitian on the panel there to give the diet so definitely the doctor is equally important i say it's a synergistic effect which plays an it's a symbiotic effect which plays an important role the doctors is very important role as far as adjustment of medications starting medications readjustment and interpretation of the blood reports to control the sugar and the metabolic syndrome but at lowing at the grassroots level spending time with the patient what he or she likes what is the lifestyle what is the exercise pattern depending upon that giving an exercise regime plus along with a proper healthy diet that definitely is much more better than by a dietitian and persons like you so definitely a symbiotic effect and this is going to give a more synergistic view for the overall control and for the alteration of the metabolic profile and syndrome of that Uh, person so def- definitely i personally feel that dietitians do play an important role and they have to be involved uh, in almost the patient management that's an important aspect so we really respect doctors like you uh, dr dikshit is because you know you understand that your boundaries end at treatment and medicine and uh, our boundaries end at nutrition therapy so nor can i talk about uh, medicine or tell uh, guide a patient whether they should be taking a certain and nor should a doctor be talking about uh, the diet protocol because actually we need to work in sync and a multidisciplinary approach works best where the patient stands to benefit from the coordination of the healthcare team so yes we do appreciate you know that patients want to check everything with their doctors because obviously the doctor is the first point of contact and it's through them that we get the referral but i always tell my patients that uh, i don't have a problem if you want to discuss your diet with your doctor but then keep me in the loop So if the doctor has any questions or any doubts with respect to the patient's well-being then I'm available to answer those questions and keep the doctor and the patient assured that we are on the right track with the protocol I'm planning for them. So right. I'd really like to work like that but yes it's very rare that you know doctors like you uh, are open to having discussions with dietitians like me. 
No, what's there? It should be open. In fact, our job is to help patients and see that their health is better. Exactly. The That's end goal the is patient end. well-being. Finally, it's not about uh, your expertise or my expertise here yeah. and who they should be relying on first. And both know their boundaries. So that's exactly. what more. Right. Yeah. All right. So it was uh, an amazing session with you today. Uh, I'm so yes. glad to have you uh, on this call. And, you know, uh, you've sh- thrown so much light uh, on so many things that are, uh, you know, misinformation that's floating on the internet and on social media. So I look forward to chatting you again uh, with you soon. And uh, thank you very much for being on this episode. Yeah, thank today. you, Shweta. Same here. Thank you and continue the good work. Thank, thank you. you so much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. And for any questions regarding your diet and health, I'm happy to answer them on my Insta handle, Shweta underscore Bhatia. Catch my podcast, Mind Your Fitness, on BingePod, Spotify, Apple, or whatever other platform you get your podcast from.